0: As someone who grew up in the church, I've heard this parable before, I've heard it preached about, Um, I've I've heard this idea of keeping awake uh, and always being ready, keeping your lamp lit, all of that kind of stuff growing up, and I imagined it was all about some future second coming uh, of Jesus. Uh, some appearance that was yet to come, so I better keep my moral house in order. That I better watch out because Jesus is one going to sneak up on me and catch me unaware just in that moment when I was behaving in a fashion less than becoming. Uh, that Jesus was always looking to ambush me on the negative side, uh, as if that's who Jesus is to begin with. Uh, That kind of approach to faith, the one where Jesus is always looking to catch you off guard because you will probably be doing something untoward, um, I think is just a, a complete mistake in understanding who Jesus is. Jesus isn't interested in catching us in our failings, but loving us in the midst of it all. So what could this whole passage I'm about to read to you be about? So I want you to listen carefully to this passage, it comes to us from chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke, and I begin in verse 35. Be dressed and ready, and keep your lamps lit. Be like the household staff, awaiting the owner's return from a wedding, so that when the owner arrives and knocks, you'll open the door without delay. It will go well with those staff members whose owner finds wide awake in them upon returning. I tell you the absolute truth, the owner will put on an apron, seat them at the table and proceed to wait on them. Should the happy uh, should the owner happen to come at midnight or before sunrise and find them prepared, it will go well with them. Understand this, no homeowner who knew when a thief was coming would have let the thief break in. So be on guard, the promised one will come when you least expect it. This is the gospel from our Lord for this morning. Praise be to God. As I think about this passage about awakeness, I thought about it for a long time because I was in the car for about seven hours yesterday, uh, driving. And I was trying to keep awake in the most shallow level of that. I was, uh, like, listening to music, I kept the air conditioning colder than I probably would normally have kept it, thinking that if I froze the reptilian body of mine that it might stay awake enough to keep me all the way home. I reassured my wife via text, hands-free texting, by the way, of course, talking to Siri, no texting while driving, not on 81 anyway, um, that I was wide awake and at the time I texted her it was the absolute truth. However, there were moments as I drove up 81, which is a long and boring drive, except when the truck cuts you off and then another truck cuts them off and another truck cuts you off again then it's less, uh, then you are wide awake, whether you want to or not, as your heart is beating out of your chest. But I think it's more than just another cup of caffeine that uh, this story is about. It's not just about when we first get up in the morning, it's not about the fact that at five o'clock this morning when I sat in my chair to try to have my morning sit, that my ability to let go of things was uh, was dampered considerably by how tired I felt all the way to the core of my being. And yet it is that uh, th- there aren't any listed excuses here about keeping awake and keeping your lamp lit and ready for the homeowner when they arrive. So as I began to think about this passage, um I came across this quote that I think is a very powerful quote um, about our lives. Life is not a problem to be solved. It's a reality to be experienced. Let me say it one more time. Life is not a problem to be solved. It is a reality to be experienced. Now, in all truth, I think most of us treat life like it's a problem to be solved. You know, what's the next thing that's going to come along that's a challenge? How will I solve this and figure this out? What do I have to do to get by? How, you know, who do I have to talk to to make the next step in life? Should I go to this church or that church? Should I uh, watch online or not at all? What are the ways that I can solve the problem that this life thing is? And all the while that we're caught up in the solving, of the moral dilemmas and the philosophical dilemmas and the political dilemmas and the challenges of questions like why do bad things happen to good people and, uh, you know, what kind of a god lets eastern Kentucky flood and all sorts of people disappear and die right after Appalachia Service Project has repaired some of their homes, uh, now some of those same homes that were repaired washed away. Are pushed off the foundation. Why does God let that happen? Why does monkeypox run wild? Why did we see millions of people die from COVID? Is God asleep at the wheel? Why doesn't God wake up? Uh, in the midst of all of those problems we're trying to solve, we miss right in front of ourselves some of those moments when, uh, that I think that this passage is really about. So I want to say to you that one of the hardest things about being a person of faith is being awake. And by awake, I mean something more than just having your eyes open. I mean having your heart open to the reality that in any moment, Jesus could appear to you. You could meet Christ on the street corner in a conversation, in the change that you might drop in the homeless guy's cup when you pass by, in the cup of coffee you share with a friend, in silence because the pain they're feeling is too deep for words, and you know better than to fill the silence with empty words, and so you just sit together. I had the opportunity over the last week from Wednesday on to be on the regathering together of all of the summer staff that work in Appalachia Service Project. Uh, Appalachia Service Project was in 20 counties this year and uh, nine of those counties were affected by the big major storm. Five of those counties' staff had to be evacuated from their counties because of the flooding that was happening and it was tenuous whether they would make it out or not. One county staff, and I talked to a couple of the folks on that staff, had happened to leave because they were a six-week center, not a seven or eight-week center. They had happened to leave on the morning before the flooding happened, or else they would have been caught in the floods. When you sit with folks who are struggling to make sense of how is it that we spent six weeks, seven weeks with volunteers working on people's houses and now we can't even find our homeowners. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they're okay. How do you sit with one another and be awake to the moment that that's a holy opportunity? To just be together in our sadness, in our grief, in our struggle, in our pain, in our feeling overwhelmed and stressed and uncertain about a world that we want to see the love in and yet have, have a challenge to see it. I mean, can we be honest with each other? It's hard to see love in a world like that. It's hard. We just and all of our volunteers just invested our lives in people and spent time sitting on their front porch and in their living room and talking about all the things that mattered to them and made relationships that now are uncertain because we're not even sure where that homeowner is. Can't get a hold of them. They may still be okay, but their phone charger washed away with their house. They don't have a way to be in contact. They don't have a way to connect. And those moments when I sat with those young adults who were struggling were holy moments where Christ was in the silence with us. Now, I bet you if you asked, uh, Mark or John back at our uh, tech station, or Matthew. Those were holy moments uh, two weeks ago when we sat on the front porch with Virgie and Anita. Those moments when they shared stories about how their parents bought uh, this house in which they live uh, from the coal company when the coal company no longer had any use for it for $5,000, thousand dollars down and then paid for it over time um, if if you listen to that story and we're in that holy space you knew in the listening that there was Jesus right there with you but you have to be awake to it you have to be awake that in the moments when you least expect it there is God waiting to surprise you And often it's in the moments when you least expect it, because when you expect it, you expect to find God in holy places, you expect to find God when you talk to holy people, whoever those holy people are, you expect to to find God in those places, and sometimes you do, because God is everywhere. But it's in those unexpected moments, if your heart is open, when that conversation with someone else about their concerns about people back at home in Burkina Faso, people that you don't know how they're doing, people down in Kentucky, people in Greenbrier County. All of those folks in our larger world are waiting for those moments too. And how our heart responds in any given moment is the opportunity we might take to engage with a God who is right there in front of our face, and sometimes so close we just can't see. I know that God is closer than my very heartbeat, closer than the breath I'm taking right now in order to preach. And yet, put another human being in front of me and have a conversation. And my uh, my mind that's wandered ahead to the fact that Joshua's coming over to cook us blueberry pancakes later on today uh, for brunch, put me in that place, and I've missed what's right in front of me. You see, I believe keeping awake is learning to be now. Learning to be now. We can't go back and foresee the flood that came to Eastern Kentucky. There's nothing we can do to foresee it. It's happened already. So what are we going to do about it? You can't go back and change that terrible thing you said to your friend three days ago, three months ago, three years ago, 30 years ago. You can't change that. But what can you do about it now? Ask for forgiveness, let it go, and move on. Because as long as you invest energy in that thing that is gone, and by the way, history only exists in God's mind anymore. It's just a thought for you. And you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. Neither am I. So that thought about what you did 30 years ago is not you. It doesn't even exist anymore. Except that you are grasping and holding on to it to your mind, which keeps you from being awake to this moment. So part of the long healing, salvific journey that we're all on as people of faith is learning to let go of the things that we've done wrong because God already has. Learning to be more like God and seeing ourselves with God's eyes. You know, I say this, and it starts to sound, you know, people can repeat it back to me. It was even quoted in a, in a uh, slideshow that I saw uh, on the last day of the porch. You are infinitely precious and unconditionally loved, a gift for who you already are. And I absolutely, with all the faith of my heart, don't just believe that to be true. I know it's true. I know that you're infinitely precious, immeasurably precious in this universe, and that you're loved unconditionally. That means there aren't any conditions. If you do this, if this happens, you're loved. No. You're already loved. You can't earn God's love. You can't do anything to deserve God's love. God just loves you. I know it makes no sense at all. Doesn't make any sense to me, but doesn't have to make sense if it's true, because it just is. And that each of you is a gift, a gift for who you already are. And waking up is coming to realize the only way I can be the gift right now is to stop living 30 years ago or 30 minutes ago. You know, I got here this morning and I realized either in my tiredness or in the fact that sometimes I'm very scatterbrained, I didn't bring... My iPad with me. And I use my iPad to post to social media what we're about to do here, you know, on Sunday morning so everybody can join us, you know, can click in, all of our online folks can find us. And so I had to do it on my phone. Um, But I, for a moment, lived 30 minutes ago when I left the house. What kind of an idiot doesn't pick up his iPad he needs every Sunday morning? Stop, that's exactly right. Marge just heard, Marge just called me out. Stop. Stop. (laughs) Stop being 30 minutes ago and stop calling yourself anything less than the love that you are named by. Waking up is recognizing none of us are idiots. None of us are stupid. All of us are loved. All of us are precious. And in this moment, What I did 30 years ago does not shape what I do now. It's part of the story that made me me, but I don't have to be the same person who would say something ugly 30 years ago. I can be a different person right now, but I have to be awake enough to recognize that in a moment of anger, in a moment of fear, I might react and say whatever comes to mind. Being awake recognizes, oh, I see that thing coming up again. I could be that guy from 30 years ago just if I open my mouth and let this thing out. But I'm not that guy from 30 years ago. I'm the infinitely precious and unconditionally loved gift that I am right now that God made me to be, just like you are. And if I live from that place of being precious and loved a gift for myself, then I see the same in you. And I wanna treat you like you are a gift. I wanna be in that moment with you, recognizing the giftedness you bring to me just by being there with me in that moment. And sometimes that will be words. I love Marge's infectious joy. I, I love Veronique's deep wisdom and kindness. I love Ann's organization and willingness to serve by bringing us uh, something to share on our Fellowship Sundays. I could name things about all of you, those that I know. That I'm thankful for that are a gift to us. And if I'm in the moment, I get to get that gift, but I have to be awake, not just have my eyes open thinking about something else. I have to learn to let go of all the other stuff that wants to run in my brain. You know, I think multitasking is a fallacy. I, people who believe they can, I know, you can argue with me later on, maybe some of them are gonna come out on the stream, some of them's gonna say, James, I can multitask. When your mind is on multiple things, it's not on anything. <laughs> it's all over the place. When I try to do three things at the same time, there's a good chance one of them is going to burn on the stove, one of them is going to be forgotten until it's ruined, and one of them might not even get done at all because I don't start. I forgot to look and see that we don't have eggs, so I can't mix that up. Whatever it may be, being a, we, we are meant to be awake in this moment, in this space, at this time. You only have now. Your memories exist only as thoughts, but you only have this moment to be you. What will you do in this moment? And that's why Jesus says, keep your lamps lit. Pay attention now. Yeah, if you knew Jesus was going to appear in five minutes, yes, you would prepare. Throw open the doors and be ready. But if you don't know Jesus is going to show up in five minutes and you don't live with the anticipation of being here now, then the here now comes five minutes from now and you you blew it. You missed it because you were concerned about what's next in your day or what you didn't do earlier today. So waking up is less about, to me, what I used to think it was about is being prepared for the second coming. And if you want to be prepared for the second coming, good. But maybe the second coming is happening every moment of your life and you don't see it because you're not awake to it. It's that kind word John shares with me when, he, when I see him on a Sunday morning before he heads out the door to walk back home. It's the other John who cut the grass. It's, um, it's encountering each other and each moment as the gift that it is because I'm a gift in it like you're a gift in it. You don't open a gift 15 minutes ago if it's just handed to you now. You open it now. 15 minutes ago is gone. 15 minutes from now is gone. Not here yet. I guess not gone yet. But you have now. Being awake is living now. So that the God who's waiting to meet you now can meet you. And you'll see it. You'll feel it. All right, I've talked about it. Keeping awake is harder than it sounds. It's not just another cup of coffee. So I wanna challenge you. You know when Linda had us catch our breath in the beginning? We do that almost every week where you pay attention. If you find your minds wandering all over the place, if you're paying attention, For just a second, feel the breath as it enters your nose. If you breathe through your nose. If you breathe through your mouth, feel as it enters your mouth. But I breathe in through my nose, so I feel the coolness of the air in this room as it caresses the beginning of my nostrils. I feel as it comes down my throat I feel my lungs beginning to feel and I might feel those lungs filling up as, as my chest rises or as my diaphragm expands. And if I pay attention to that, here I am. Feeling that breath, knowing that breath I'm breathing in and back out again is a gift, just like this moment is. And maybe if I pay attention, here I am with you. Not worried about what's coming next. Not concerned about my drive back yesterday, because that's over. I'm done. Here I am. Concerned in a way for those young people that I spent time with who saw things that they'll never be able to unsee. Much as many of us have seen things we'll never unsee. And wondering how we can be there for each other in this moment in ways that will bring healing and hope. So wherever you are this week, catch your breath with whoever you find yourself with and be there. Maybe you'll hear something or see something or feel something unexpected that might be God's spirit moving in that moment. But you have to be awake. You have to be awake because those moments are unexpected. And they slip right by. And I hope for you they won't this week. I hope this week you'll be awake enough to catch those moments when they happen. When you think you need to have a quick reply. But what the person you're with on that rocking chair, on on that porch swing, just needs you to sit there and listen to them talk as you rock back and forth and God is there, and you feel it. You, my friends, my beloved ones, you are infinitely precious and unconditionally loved for the gift you already are, and you get to be that gift every moment. I encourage you to do it, be it in every given moment. One of the things we do every week at St. James is to pray. And there's certainly a lot of things to pray for. I know that for me, it's very fresh and uh, very heavy, uh, the the flooding that happened in eastern Kentucky and the people that were killed by it. But there are so many other things that are going on in the world as well. I want to pray for those young adults who spent a summer trying to make people's lives better, invested themselves and a lot of hours of a week, um, burning the midnight oil, uh, and the early morning oil, and every kind of oil they had. uh, Felt like their lamps were on all the time. Uh, For all that they did and for those of them who know that they did things and have left behind devastation and feel overwhelmed by that. For those of you who are feeling overwhelmed by life, maybe it's handing you things that you weren't expecting. And I pray that we'll be able to be with you to help carry that. I'm convinced that's what Jesus meant when he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, for it is light. When you share a yoke, suddenly it's not just hanging on you, it's hanging on someone else, and they're helping you carry it. I'm convinced that the church, in prayer and in work, is called to carry the rest of the world. We are the yeast that leavens the bread in a good way. So I want us to pray that we're going to be good yeast this week. There's going to be opportunities for us to ferment and make the bread rise. That we will rise up and share love and hope even when we're struggling ourselves. And that God will send along someone to just be there for us when we need a friend. A listening ear whoever that may be and that when we are needed to be those things we will. So I want to pray for the healing of our world. I want to pray for all the false ways we see each other. We get so caught up in in discounting each other because of the color of our skin or where we come from or Or for our religion or lack thereof and all God sees when God sees us is those whom God loves the beloved the beloved the beloved the beloved that's who God sees I hope we can see beyond that and heal those illusions that we're separate from each other and from God. You know, when you really look at the lines that we draw between countries and states, they're imaginary. Just like the line between us and God, often created by us, is imaginary. And God wants us to see real, remember. Life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. Could we pray together that we would see and experience the reality? Gracious and loving God, you always and everywhere speak to us. And oftentimes we sleep right through it. Oh, our eyes may be open, but our heart isn't. We aren't ready. You knock at the door, And we don't immediately open it because we're sound asleep in the back room. We pray, oh God, that you would help us and encourage us to be present in every moment you give us as a gift so that we don't miss it, so that we don't miss you, so that we don't miss each other, so that we receive the gift every minute has to give us. every moment a gift, every person a gift, every breath, every heartbeat a gift, your grace to us in your son Jesus a gift. What a gift this life is. Help us to see the gift and to give away the gifts you have given us to make this place you've entrusted to our care. A better place. Help us to look out for each other. And for those who are struggling, those who feel broken, alienated, lost, and alone, for those who are grieving the loss of people they love and of places they cherish, May they find healing and may that healing come through us. Help us to carry one another's burdens. Help us to carry the pain and woundedness of this world in which we live. And may your love be alive in us in such ways that others will see it and know it and experience it. May we ooze the love of God everywhere we go so people around us cannot help but be touched by it. What a gift you are to us, God, and we are thankful. In this moment, oh God, we pray to you the prayer that your son Jesus taught us to pray using whatever form we choose or the one that's on the screen, saying, our Father in heaven, holy is your name.